Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. We're talking about our identity in Christ this morning. December the 1st, of course, we enter into the time of the year that we talk about the incarnation, the hypostatic union of deity with humanity in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why we've got Jesus Christ, Jesus humanity, Christ deity. And that's why sometimes it's Christ Jesus because it's deity to humanity. But of course, we're talking about the most marvelous event to ever occur in the realm of human experience that we try to wrap our brain around, which is almost impossible for us to do, how the second person of deity could leave his glorious estate and enter into the womb of a virgin named Mary and then take on human form and be the God-man, Emmanuel, God who is with us. The hypostatic union of deity and humanity, the incarnation, God manifests in the flesh, Jesus, the Son of God. Praise God. Look at John's Gospel, chapter 1. First three verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not made anything made that was made. And then verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So here we see this is not just someone claiming something like I'm some superhero or something like that. This is God emerging into the realm of human experience by taking on human flesh, coming in through the proper channel, the door of birth into this realm in which we live, not by the illegal way the devil did in the beginning, inhabiting the body of an animal and then tempting mankind. He came in by the legal channel of birth, the legal door. And that's how we're born into this world. And that's how he came into this world. And he came to turn it right side up. Amen. The Bible offers many reasons for the incarnation of Christ. Number one, to reveal God to man. Look at um, John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. This is from the Amplified Version of the Bible. This is the classic version. There's two versions. This is the classic one. For while the law was given through Moses, grace, unearned, deserved favor, and spiritual blessing and truth came through Jesus Christ. No man has ever seen God at any time. The only unique Son, the only begotten God, who is in the bosom or the intimate presence of the father he has declared him he has revealed him and brought him out where he can be seen he has interpreted him he has made him known he became a man in the person of jesus christ to reveal himself to us to make himself known to us so that we can know god we can see god we can understand the heart of god and experience him in our lives look at hebrews chapter 1 Basically the same thing being revealed to us that he came and to speak to our hearts and to reveal to us the will of the Father. God who at sundry times or different times in different manners spake in time past to the fathers by the prophets hath in his last days spoken to us by his Son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of the, his glory and the express image of his person upholding all things by the word of his power had or when he had by himself purged our sins sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high what a mouthful that is God spoke to the fathers by the prophets and that sort of thing in the times past but today he speaks to us by his son his son came robed in flesh and revealed to us the very heart of the living God the character of our loving father when he walked here upon this earth secondly he came to defeat and destroy 
Satan and the works of the devil. That's why he came. Look in the uh, book of Hebrews once again, chapter 2. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Why? That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Did he do that? Did he succeed in doing that? Guess what? The devil has been destroyed. He destroyed him. He destroyed his power. And look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. He destroyed his works as well. He that commits sins of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. I ask again, did he succeed? Did he destroy the devil? Did he destroy his works? Amen. So the devil is a defeated foe. Can we all agree to that? Praise God. And who defeated him? Anybody else defeat him? Jesus defeated him for all of us. Amen. And that's another reason why he became a man. Because he couldn't tolerate what the devil was doing in people's lives upon the earth. And so he did something about it. He came also to redeem man. Look at the book of Galatians chapter 4. He came to redeem, to pay the purchase price for our redemption. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Praise God. Then look at the book of Revelation. We've been adopted and we've been born into the family of God. It's a twofold work. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. May I ask you the question, did he succeed in redeeming us out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation? That means all people groups of the world been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. Not silver, not gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, we have all been redeemed. He came to do that. He succeeded. He did it. We are his purchased possession right now. Thank God. Say it with me. I am redeemed. Uh, next, to re reconcile all things to God himself. Look in the book of Colossians. To reconcile means to bring it peace. To bring back the peace or harmony or friendship one with another. And ever since man was banished from the presence of God, it was a hard time for him to get back into right fellowship with God. But Jesus came to reconcile both God and man and reconcile all things on earth to God. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you. Say, that means me. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in, the, in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled to present us holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. So did he redeem us? Did he deliver us? Did he reconcile us? Praise God. Look in the book of Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. In other words, he came to bring peace between God and man. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God. Notice Jesus Christ, humanity to deity. It was the man, the God-man, Jesus on this earth that made the sacrifice to redeem us so that we can be reconciled to the Father and have peace with God. You have peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad you can say that? We're not alienated any longer. We're in friendship with him. We're in harmony with him. We're at peace with him and he's at peace with us. What a great thing to know. Look at Matthew's gospel, chapter 3 and verse... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I skipped one. Don't want to skip that. He came because this is the basic part of my message. He came to conform us to his image. He came to conform us 
to his image. Look at Romans chapter 8. Everybody knows verse 28. For we know that all things work together for good that love God, to that are called according to his purpose. But look at verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He came so that we all would be conformed to his own image. That's why Jesus was sent. Can you imagine that when the fall of man occurred, how marred the image of man was? He was created in the image and likeness of God, but he fell and took upon the image and likeness of the enemy. The heart was alienated from God. His mind now just infiltrated with wicked works and thoughts and everything else. His body being subject to death and all that. All that took place in a man in his fall. Jesus came to rectify that, to reconcile that, to turn that whole thing around, to take us from the inside, to get it to the outside. His image and likeness is in here. We've got it right here under a bushel. We need to let the light shine. Rise up within our hearts, renew our minds, and manifest it through our lives here in the earth. Let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, notice in verse 17 and then chapter 4 and verse 3, we put these two together. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is when Jesus got baptized, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Who is he? The Father said he's what? He's his beloved Son. Okay, that's what the Father said. But the tempter comes, and what does he say? If thou be the Son of God, if you be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. He attacked the identity of Jesus because he knows if he can skew someone's identity, he can wreak havoc with their lives. He knew that if he could attack a person's identity, then they wouldn't be able to walk out their destiny. It's exactly what he attempted to do. He did that with Eve. He'll do it with anybody that allows it. He tried it with Jesus, but Jesus was not fooled by it. What do you mean, if I be the Son of God? I don't have to perform one miracle to know that I'm the Son of God. My Father told me. I heard his words. I am the Son of Almighty God. He knew who he was. He proclaimed who he was. He declared who he was. But he attacks his identity knowing that a person who doesn't know who they are will not walk out their destiny. We live in a culture right now when people don't know their identity. Even when it comes to their gender identity. And guess what? We're told we're supposed to accept that. Think about it. The minds of people being infiltrated by the enemy to make people think that's not who you are. Even though you were born that way, that's not who you are. It's not the truth. See, the enemy knows if I can attack their identity, they won't walk out their destiny. Your destiny is your life on earth. Your destination is where you're going to spend your eternity. And if you don't know your identity, or if I don't, we'll never walk out our destiny. They'll be doing other things, fulfilling other things that are just desires of the flesh, but not walking out their destiny that God has for them as they live their lives upon this earth. And if we don't know who we are, the same thing will happen to us. Do you know that Jesus knew who he is? You know, he understood his identity. Remember when he was here upon the earth? What were his declarations of faith? For those that come against the faith message and confession of God's word, 
Jesus practiced it more than anybody else. You know what he said? I am the light of the world. That's what he said. He declared who he was and who he is in a world of darkness. And the world was in darkness. But he came as a light to the world to give light, understanding, wisdom, direction, knowledge. To overcome the confusion that's in the world because of the darkness that's all over it. He said, I am the bread of life. Bread is necessary to sustain human life. He's talking about food. I am the one that feeds life. Not just physical life, but eternal life. I am the bread of life. If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you've got life. Eternal life, praise God. Notice, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. He went on to say that I am the resurrection and the life. I am. A man that lives, and if he dies, he's not dead. Because of the resurrection. You believe on me, you'll never die. He said, I know who I am. I don't need to perform a miracle. I don't have to turn a rock into bread. I know who I am. I heard the voice of my father. I've read it in the scriptures. I know who I am. You will not challenge my identity. He said, I am the door. The door is the way for the sheep to get into a place of protection. I am the door. And they're going to come in through me, by me and by me alone. I am the good shepherd of the sheep he goes on to say I am the way the truth and the life and no man can come to the father except by me I am the true vine I'm the vine you're the branches abide in me as you can't bear fruit of yourself except you abide in the vine so what was he doing? Seven declarations of I am. I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. Seven times he said I am. And if you encompass everything he says about who he is, it all benefits every single one of us here. It's all for us right here. But the point was when he walked upon this earth in human flesh, he knew who he was, he proclaimed it, he declared it, and praise God, he stood against anything that would counteract it or contradict it. And so when the devil came along and just said, go ahead and do this, he said, it is written, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of Almighty God. Well, then if you believe the word of God, then fall down and let the angels pick you up. Oh, no, 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 thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Well, bow down and worship me and I'll give you all this. You can't entice me with all that. I created all that. Are you kidding me? You're going to give me back what belongs to me in the first place? Oh, I've come to, come to get authority off of you is what I've come to do. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him alone shalt thou serve. And you should have done that, by the way, in the very beginning, Lucifer. You don't know who you are. I know who you were. But now you're forever lost. So he knew who he was. He saw it in the scriptures. He knew it. So Jesus came so we could be conformed to his image and likeness. And there's only one way we can do that. By finding out who we are in him and proclaiming it just like he did just as he did I am look at 2 Corinthians 5 17 if any man be in Christ he is a new creature all things have passed away behold all things have become new every Christian everyone born of the spirit washed in the blood of the lamb is a new creation and one translation says a new species of being that never before existed what a transition what a transformation i think too often we take too lightly what the new birth is all about the new birth doesn't just make you a better person 
The new birth doesn't make you a religious person. The new birth makes you a new creation and a new species of being that never before existed. God came down in the power of his Holy Spirit and got a hold of your spirit and praise God put a new spirit inside you, recreated your spirit. You are a new creation, creature in Christ Jesus. That's who we are in him. Say it with me, I am a new creation, a new species of being that never before existed. Because of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's who we are. Look in the, uh, the book of Galatians. Now chapter 2 here. Uh, we know that Paul the apostle knew who he was. And here's what he says about it. I am crucified with Christ. So are we. Nevertheless I live. So do we. Yet not I but Christ lives in me. And the life which I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What's he saying? I'm not going by who I am in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I'm going to do exactly what he did. He knew who he was, said who he was. I know who I am. I'm going to say who I am. I am in him, not in myself. In myself, I'm defeated. In myself, I'm nobody. But in him, I have all things. I am who he made me. And here's who he made us. Next, look in the book of um, Colossians, first of all, chapter 3. If you then be risen with Christ, are you risen? Seek those things which are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affection, mind, will, and devotion on things above, not things on the earth. For you are dead. Say it with me, I'm dead. How's that go over? I'm dead. Notice, and your life, say it with me, my life, is hid with Christ in God. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Is actually what he's saying. When Christ, who is our life, who is our life? Who is our life? Say it with me, Christ is my life shall appear then shall we also appear with him in glory praise God what a wonderful thing to look forward to what a blessed hope that we have and being changed praise God to be exactly like he is in a glorified state but the point is while we live on this earth we are dead our lives are hid with Christ in God we are new creations a new species of being that never before existed we need to learn about who we are from the scriptures because this is what Jesus came to do to conform us to his image and likeness and guess what if we don't know our identity we'll never live out our destiny we'll take a wrong path in life and we'll th this is it this is it that is it no 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 we need to know who we are in Christ what we have in him because it's in him we live and move and have our being it's in him that we have a final destination to look forward to and while we live upon this earth, we have a destiny to fulfill. And we can't get caught up in thinking that I got to do it my way. I want to do it my way. I want to do it my way. They want to do it their way. They want to do it their way. No, I did it my way is the number one on the charts in hell. Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. Number one on the charts. You do it your way, that's where you go. You do it God's way, you know. Are right, you ready for our lesson now? Are you ready? Say it with me. I am a masterpiece. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. I am a masterpiece. For we are his workmanship in the Greek masterpiece created in Christ Jesus and the good works which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. Notice. 
his masterpiece, a work of outstanding artistry, skill, or workmanship. Have you ever considered yourself to be that? An outstanding work of artistry, skill, workmanship. A masterpiece is who we are. Notice he sculpted us. Notice he recreated us. Notice he's changed us from glory to glory by the power of his Holy Spirit. Talk about a masterpiece. If you recall the story of the statue of David and how Michelangelo sculpted the statue of David. And it's obviously people everywhere travel around the world to see the statue of David in Florence, Italy. And the beautiful workmanship that he did, the artistry, the skill that he performed in order to do it. But many don't know the marble from which that sculpture was sculpted came from a discarded, unwanted, huge piece of marble. Another sculptor tried to do something with it and said, this is no good. It was sitting out there in the scrapyard of marble, the marble scrapyard for 10 years. Unwanted, not used, not worth anything. Till Michelangelo one day walked by and saw it, looked at it, and began his work. And when he got done sculpting from that discarded, unwanted piece of marble, the end result was, in, in the Italian language, Davide. Davide. David. What a masterpiece. What workmanship, what skill, what artistry. Guess what? We were all discarded. We were all unwanted. We were all in the scrapyard of life. Going our own way, doing our own thing. Not knowing where we're going, floundering through life. The whole world was lying under darkness as we're taught in John's gospel. But there was a master sculptor that the father called upon and said, I want you to go down there and I want you to make some changes in the hearts and lives of the people on planet earth. I want you to sculpt them with your skill to look just like us, to conform them to our image and likeness that they lost from the very beginning and he came and he lived and he did and he suffered and he died he paid the price but he rose again and when he was raised up from the dead he raised all of us up with him so that we would be like as he is praise God almighty and he sent his holy spirit to see to it that he took out this old stony heart and put in a heart of flesh Say with me, I'm his masterpiece. His workmanship. A work of outstanding artistry, skill, and workmanship. That's who I am. Praise God. I am significant. Say with me, I am significant. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're all significant. There are no unused members in the body of Christ. Every person is significant, has a place in the body, has a function in the body. For the body is not one member, but many. 
If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I'm not an eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now had God set members, every one of them in the body as it pleased him. And if they were all one member, where would the, where, where the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor, again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Who's the head? Who's the feet? Can't say I don't need you. Everyone is significant. Everyone has value. Everyone has meaning. Everyone has purpose. And let me tell you, the enemy will try to tell you that's not true about yourself, that you're not a masterpiece, that you're not significant, and your life is meaningless. And you know what? If he can convince you of that, you will lose your identity in Christ and you will not fulfill your destiny. But if you'll stand there like Jesus said to the devil when he spoke to him, it is written. I am his workmanship, not my own and not yours. I'm not going to let you paint a picture or sculpt me into being anything other than what Jesus made me to be. I am who he says I am, not who you say I am or others say I am. I am who he says I am. I'm a masterpiece and I am significant in the body of Christ. God needs me. Jesus needs me. The head cannot say to the, t to the foot, I don't need you. Say it with me, I'm needed. I'm significant. Next, I am God's temple. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. What, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which, you have a, which is in you, which you have a God, and you're not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Say it with me, I am a temple of the Most High God. A dwelling place for the Godhead to live in. Thank God, I am his dwelling place. I'm his temple. He abides in me. And I abide in him. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God. The glory is in you. And when you invited the Holy Ghost to come on the inside of you, the glory came in you and manifested in you. This is who we are. This is a product of the finished work of Jesus Christ upon Calvary's cross. And too often what we do is we overlook this manifestation of his work. We thank God for what he did. We thank God he became a child, a baby, born uh, the incarnate son of God. We thank God for all that he did when he walked here upon the earth. All of the his achievements and everything. But the conclusion of it all is this. He came for you. He came for me. And he came to get us on the inside and turn our lives around. To put his spirit within us. To empower us. To equip us. To enable us. To walk with him in the high places of eternal glory. And we will because of what he's done for us. Look at the next one. I am chosen and accepted. First Corinthians, I mean, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 1. I am chosen and I am accepted. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Stop here this for a moment. You realize he chose you? You're really excited about that, aren't you? I could tell. <laughs> Say, I'm chosen. It's not like he was going eeny, meeny, miny, moe. No. 
I want you. I want you. I'm choosing you. I'm choosing you. I'll be honest with you. He's chosen everyone who's ever lived. They rejected him. But he's chosen everyone. He's not willing one should perish. But all would have everlasting life. So he chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. According to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Wherein he made us accepted at Seven Oaks Country Club. Shadow Lakes Country Club. Tippecanoe Country Club. Black Hawk. Golf course. He made us accepted in what? In the beloved. Say it with me. I'm accepted. I'm chosen. I'm accepted. In the beloved. Of the royal family. I belong. Praise God. I've got a membership. You've got a membership. We're accepted. Praise God. We didn't get it stamped rejected. Rejected. How much money do you make? Rejected. Don't make enough money. Rejected. Oh, you're not proper enough. Rejected. It doesn't matter who, what, where, when, or how. You come to Jesus, you go from rags to riches. You go from nobody to somebody. You're accepted among all the saints in light. Accepted before the throne of Almighty God to walk into the holiest place of all and say, I belong here. This is my environment. I belong in this place where the glory of the living God abides. I'm accepted in the beloved. Where are you going? To the throne. What gives you the right to go to the throne? The blood of Jesus Christ. Look at me. I'm a masterpiece. Praise God. Look at me, I'm significant, I'm somebody in the Lord. I'm the temple of the Most High God. Oh, the world can't contain him, but you can. I'm redeemed and forgiven, Ephesians 1, 7. I am redeemed and forgiven. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Notice, I'm redeemed and forgiven. And the word really there for forgiveness is remission. The remission of sins. Forgiveness is one thing. Okay, we've been forgiven. Remission means it doesn't exist any longer. Say with me, I am redeemed. And I am forgiven. My sins are remitted. Never to be brought up ever again. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You better shout about that one. Whew. Next one, I am, I am ordained. John 15, 16. See, this is a revelation from the scriptures as to what God was going to make us in Christ. You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. We've covered that. And ordained you. That you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Notice, we are ordained. Someone once asked, are you ordained? Well, no, I'm not really ordained in the mission. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. I said, yes, you are. But I didn't go to Bible school. That's all right. I didn't go to seminary. That's all right. You are ordained 
by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I chose you, he said. I ordained you. You know what that means, ordained? I made you my priest. I made you my minister. I made you my priest. You are a minister of righteousness on this earth. Everywhere you go. That is your identity in Christ. Not based on your performance. Not based on my performance. Based on the performance of the Son of God. That's our identity. And once again, we fall short. I am reconciled. Colossians 1. Look at these verses again here. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. We could all attest to that, right? Yet now hath he reconciled, brought back in peace and harmony with God. In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you. Holy. Mm, are you sitting? Holy. Say, I'm holy. I'm, holy. I'm blameable. Say, I'm unblameable. Unreprovable. Say it. I'm unreprovable. In his sight. You know how the enemy wants to come along and just say, this is how God sees you. You can't serve him. You can't live for him one hour at a time without doing something wrong. And he points out your faults. He points out your faults. He failures. He points out everything that you've ever done wrong or that you're doing wrong. Or tries to tell you never live up to it or whatever. It's time to start saying it is written. I am a holy, unblameable, unreprovable in the sight of Almighty God. It doesn't matter what I look like to you. Or what I see in the mirror. Or what anybody else says. Devils, demons, the imps of hell. In his sight, I am holy, unblameable, unreprovable. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's who I am. Glory to God. That's who I am. Next, I am condemnation free. Say it with me. I am condemnation free. Book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 tells us there is therefore now no condemnation. Now notice, to them who, which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh... But after the Spirit. So who do you think is appealing to your flesh? To point out your flesh. Your fleshly faults and flaws and all that. The devil does. So we can walk as to who we are in the flesh. And you probably wouldn't get up in the morning. Or you can walk as to who you are in the Spirit. And realize there's no condemnation. This whole chapter ends up and concludes by saying, nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's not the one who condemns. If God is for you, who could be against you? He that spared not his only son, but delivered him up for, for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who is he that condemneth? It's not Christ. It's not God. It's the devil who condemns people. It's other people who condemn people and criticize and judge other people. But he said, no, God is for you who can be against you. And nothing, depth, height, nothing around this world, demons, angels, nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's how much he loves every single one of us because of who he made us in Christ, his masterpiece, his significant person. Oh, thank God. We are condemnation free. You're going to love this next one. I am born of God and Satan can't touch this. Amen. Mm. Hmm. 1 John 5. I don't know if this is where MC Hammer got his lyrics from. 
can't touch this. Just, just can't touch this. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. <clears throat> and that wicked one can't touch this. That wicked one toucheth him not. So when he's staring you face to face, eyeball to eyeball, nose to nose, and saying all these things about you, just stand there and look at him and just say, can't touch this. Can't touch this. No. No, 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 no. Mm -mm. Can't touch this. <laughs> Help me, Lord. I am an ambassador for Christ. So are you. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. I am an ambassador. An ambassador is a, a representative of the highest order. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. You want to fulfill your destiny on this earth? Understand your identity. You're an ambassador for Christ. A representative of the highest order everywhere you go in all things that we do. We represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're here to transact business for him upon this earth and bring heaven to earth. Praise God. Just as he did. Only through us now. Not just him. He said the works I do you're going to do also and greater than these because I'm going to my father. Didn't he say that? So you are his representative of the highest order. His ambassador for Christ. Hallelujah. All right. Next one. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. We couldn't be made more right if we tried. It's impossible. Look at the verse. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him what a precious scripture to be sin for us who knew no sin. Notice how he just keeps on adding to it. He, the Father, made him, Jesus, to be sin. That ugly thing for us. Who knew no sin that we might be beggars barely getting along. Like some say, I'm just a beggar. I'm just a pauper. I'm just a sinner. No, you're not. You were a sinner. Somebody saved you by his grace. Somebody became sin for you. To make you the righteousness of God in Christ. Say it with me. I am the righteousness of God. In Christ. That's my identity. That's who I am. It's time we start walking in the light of who we are. And letting it manifest through our lives, right? I'm not going to finish this. We'll pick it up maybe next week. All right, I'm taking votes. Who wants? Are you getting the point? We are who he made us. And it's time we learn who we are and like him. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life, he said. I am the resurrection. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I'm the way, truth, and life. I am the vine. I am a masterpiece. His masterpiece. His workmanship. I am significant in his body. I am redeemed. I am forgiven. I've been set free. I've been made whole. I am not condemned. I am without fault before him. Holy. 
unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. That's who I am. All right, let's do one more. I am loved. John 16, 27. Once again, one of my favorite scriptures. For the Father himself loveth you. Why? Because you've loved me. And you believe that I came out from God. Say it with me, I am loved. In the word love, there is agape. Agapao, agape, the Greek word. This is love. This is God's love. This is not human love. This is God's love. This is not responsive love. This is unconditional love. It's based on principle. It's based on a decision. You know what? God loves us no matter what we do. He doesn't approve of the things that we do that are wrong, but he still loves us through them all. And we need to understand that. Are you loved by God? We know we're loved by God. Do we miss the mark here and there? Yeah, because we're living in fallen bodies, are we not? But you know what? He still loves us. And when we miss the mark, sometimes the enemy will point that out and make us think that we're not loved by God. That he's looking down upon us and that sort of thing. But he's not. Just like we love our children when they make mistakes and do wrong, we still love them through it. He loves us. He set his love upon you because you believe in his son. Do we have faith to believe in the workmanship of Jesus Christ? That what he did, he completed and fulfilled. Now, the the rest of this we'll maybe pick up next week. I don't know, but um, the point is, it's up to us to allow him to build these truths into our lives by embracing them, meditating them, and proclaiming them, declaring them. That's what faith is all about. My confession of faith is all about that. Proclaim who you are, what you are, and what you have in him. And you give him the floor of your life to change you from glory to glory. Let's all stand together before the Lord.